0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. What the
1: truck! You are
2: listening to What the Truck
0: Are you ready to truck it? Welcome to your Nooner with Dooner here on Monday, isn't it? You know, y'all hoping for a uh, quiet weekend in the supply chain? Didn't happen. Big collapse over in Philadelphia. I ninety five collapse. Take a look at some of this footage, man. That they uh, that uh, people filmed where they're out there on that roadway. Roll this tape real quick, right here, so we can take a look at it. ABC six reports. Commuters in Philadelphia will be facing an uncertain summer after an elevated section of I-95 collapsed over the weekend. The collapse of the northbound lanes happened after a tanker truck fire broke out around 6 a.m. Sunday underneath I-95 near the Cotman Avenue exit in the Tacony section of the city. Officials have said both the northbound and southbound lanes of the very burzy stretch of the road will be shut down for months now. Upwards of 130,000 vehicles drive this route daily, especially that portion of I-95. That's according to PennDOT's traffic volumes. It says uh, all lanes of I-95 are closed in both directions between Academy Road, which is exit 32, and Aramigo Avenue, exit 26. The Pennsylvania Governor, Josh Shapiro, yeah, he's, he reiterated that couple of months thing. AAA now says have a plan. Be patient after the collapse. Um Looking for alternative. Keep rolling that tape. It says looking for alternative as Action News traffic reporter Matt Pellman explained on Action News Monday morning. One of the problems with this stretch of I-95 is that there really aren't any perfect alternatives to it. However, there's some options to try out. If you're headed northbound, you'll be forced off I-95 at Aramingo Avenue. If you're headed southbound, you'll be forced off at I-95 at Cotman Avenue. City of Philadelphia officials are recommending for drivers heading southbound to use uh, Route 63. For drivers northbound, you got to use I 76 to I seventy I six seventy six to I seventy six. Big trouble over there. You may feel like you're going nowhere. This advice says, but at least you'll be moving somewhere. Freeways. John Kingston says truckers traveling north to south already can bypass that area using the New Jersey Turnpike or Interstate 295, which parallels much of that area. Talk to some of our guests today, if they've already had to reroute and see what's going on. Charlie Cox says, very similar to the Atlanta I-85 collapse in 2017, traffic was closed to that area for 43 days. It's inconvenient for now, but Philly will be able to get it back up fast. Christopher Grassi, he says, and this is in a city with already severely limited options for ways around. Dominic and Tuulo he says, be patient. What a cop-out. Well... Dominic, that was from AAA. I think they were, they were just giving you uh, some advice out there. Now, I mentioned I had a little trouble getting my race car off the line, so this next part right here is just as much for me. It's the art of shifting. Now, if you find yourself shifting like this, roll that tape, you find yourself shifting like this, grinding your way through the gears, grinding your way through the gears like this guy right here, you might need to take a little advice from my buddy Ed Mapes. Let's take a look at Ed Mapes. He brings us through his gear shifting on his 10-speed truck. Roll that other tape. Here we go.
1: Okay, folks. I'm in first gear.
0: Like butter. He's not even using All the right. clutch. Never up to go on high gear. His brain's in his right foot. Safe. I think that video's flipped. That's why it looks
1: like he's End in the truck. Back switch forward. I'm always with these switches.
0: There we go. You're getting me head up here, Ed. I love to see a nice shift, man. Good work. Good work. He's been putting out a few of those. I showed his other one when he was walking around his uh, 18-wheeler on Friday. I hope Ed keeps doing these because I enjoy them. Well, anyways, on deck, on the show today, we're getting a crash course in less-than-truckload shipping from Freight Plus' own Curtis Garrett. He also is understanding LTL. He's going to tell us everything we wanted to know about LTL, but we're afraid to ask, and maybe some other stuff. So, a secret spot market's been in the toilet Fat levels just dropped under 2019, and 2019 was not a good year. Tanner DeHart's gonna be here. He's gonna break down all the numbers of what's going on in the market. And uh, then we got Trucker Tools. Muriela Yapiti, he's one of the godfathers of freight tech. He's gonna take us through a little history of freight tech and what's good. But Curtis Garrett is sitting patiently right now. He's Senior Vice President of LTL over at Freight Plus. What is up, Curtis? You, did you have to wake up this morning and already start rerouting some LTL freight because the bridge collapsed in Philly? <laughs>
3: I'm just glad we can stop blaming smoke in the Northeast on Canada. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's another clear cause.
0: I was ready to declare war on the Canadians, but I have a very short attention span and this bridge collapse happened. And now that's where all my attention (laughs) is.
3: (laughs) Well, my, my family's all back in Western Canada. and They've been asking for updates and I'm in North Carolina. It hasn't, hasn't reached us, but yeah, they feel bad. They apologize.
0: How about this bridge collapse? Are you seeing any you seeing any impacts? Any concern at all? Any concern over with your partners about what happened over in Philly?
3: I mean, that that's where the the depth and and strength of LTL carriers comes into play. They I'm sure have, you know, plan B already in full effect. Uh we're not it's not like we're on the phone with drivers directly. That's dispatchers and the local terminals kind of handling that. So, yeah, I'm sure anybody shipping in or out of that area just No matter what mode you send it, expect something. But luckily, LTL carriers are pretty capable with uh, plan B, C, or D.
0: Hmm. Let's talk about those LTL carriers. Curtis, how does LTL work? Let's say I've only done full truckload. Let's say I'm just a broker and I've never even dealt with LTL. Explain this to me. How does LTL work? What is different about it than a regular truckload?
3: So the key is set your expectations because – you know, there are gonna be exceptions. Uh hopefully not always a bridge going out every day, but you're gonna have you're gonna have the occasional loss freight, you're gonna have some damages, um, you're gonna have issues, but the good thing is you're paying a much lower price up front. You're you know, you're basically part of a community that's shipping uh on the same truck and and utilizing the same space together. So just just be be prepared for potential issues. But at the same time, it's a huge uh, asset to have in your tool belt. Um, it's, go ahead.
0: Well, I was going to say, and what is that asset? You kind of skipped that part.
3: <laughs> it's, it's an entire network of terminals and trucks, uh, much like how an airline or even a hotel network uh, works. There's shared assets. There's regular routes. There's consistency. And so, a lot of that, say zero to you know zero to seven, is taken care of. It's it's already programmed in. The carriers are executing on that every single day. Um, you have to worry about getting the best pricing for your freight, your account. Uh, you have to worry about really what's in your control: uh, the packaging, the configuration, handing off and tendering carriers. Uh, really solid, well well packaged freight, but they kind of have the rest of it under control. Um, they're picking up in the same areas every day. They're running the same line hole networks every day, every night, uh, pretty much around the clock. And so essentially to, to really break it down, if you have one to four pallets and you don't want to get something dedicated or, or pay for an entire truck to go across the country, uh, you give it to an LTL carrier. And I, I, I like to say they have the the flexibility and the agility of a parcel carrier. They can come to your house, your business, your restaurant, wherever you're shipping from, they do like warehouses better, (laughs) but, uh, they can pretty much come anywhere. They can pick up anything from a box to, uh, you know, 10 to 12 pallets. If, if you absolutely had to move that And, and they have, they do that with the strength and capability of a truckload carrier. So they really can, can skirt with both sides, both modes, uh, as far as where they sit in between. And you're really just going to be charged for the space that you use and it shouldn't be anything. that.
0: Okay. I got four pallets. All right. Less than truckload. I'm going to ship four pallets. You've, you've convinced me what I have to keep in mind here. What are the key factors?
3: So first you need to know what you're shipping, uh, and how that relates to the LTL world in terms of freight class. So, uh, there's an organization out there called the NMFTA and they have a whole bunch of guidelines, um, that your 3PL, your carrier, potentially even the NMFTA and their tool can help you basically drill into if I'm shipping uh, pet food or plastic articles or frozen ice cream, you know, there's going to be a specific freight class uh, or family of freight classes that I need to identify. And that's got to be on my bill of lading so that I'm charged adequately. Um, Then you need to be really, really sure of the weight and the dimensions. Uh, those are key as well. Um, carriers are getting really sophisticated with just understanding the weight and the space that, that the freight they're picking up is occupying on their trailers and as it mo- moves through their terminal and their networks. Um, so, you need to be sure of that if, if you don't want surprises. So, freight class, weight and dimensions obviously, you need to know where it's going. <laughs> that goes without saying. Um, but at the end of the day, your, your bill of lading and really your label, your your pallet label should tell the whole story. Um, so if I'm a random dock worker on a random LTL cross dock, I should be able to pull up the paperwork or just look at the pallet with a really large, informative label and know everything I need to know about this one
0: palette. Well, so how is it priced, right? It's not as simple as just going on the spot market on a load board and, and getting a rate per mile, is it?
3: No, I mean, it's in some ways, it's more of an easy button because you can just go to a website, put in your, you know, your origin, destination information, your weight, your class, as I mentioned, and and you will get a price. Uh, The key is staying within those standard LTL parameters and guidelines. If if you ship something that's longer than what their environment normally accepts uh, or prefers, if it's larger, heavier, basically, if you kind of go out of bounds, then there's these, you know, rules tariff charges that may, uh, they may apply. And that's where things get a little trickier. But if you're shipping one to six pallets, uh, it's less than, you know, 12,000 pounds, let's say, um, and and they're generally standard pallets or close to it, then you should be fine. Um, You just want to get that information, or sorry, that location information exact, because you don't want limited access or residential or or some of these additional uh, accessorial charges and fees sneaking in when you get the bill.
0: Interesting. And so then how is it, classification plays a big role. You you mentioned classification there. How do you classify the freight? And also, how do you look at this from like an RFP level? Sure, like on a spot, a one-off shipment, you could put in a little quote, but when we're talking about how uh, it's classified and priced on an RFP level, how do you determine that?
3: It's really a lot of the same stuff. It's just modeling like six months to a year's worth of freight all at once. So if I'm going out, you know, if, if we're doing an RFP for one of our clients at Freight Plus, uh, we're taking the best data set that we can, we can drill into and refine to best represent uh, either six months or a, a year's worth of business for one of our clients. We're going out and saying, Mr. Carrier, take this data Uh, feed it through your cost model model it on your end to make sure that you understand what you're getting into uh, the number of shipments you can expect to get. Every time you bump the dock on the pickup side, here's the breakdown of, you know, where you're going to handle freight going in different lanes Um, and everything that drives costs for them. Space, time and risk is, is what I like to say. Most, most carrier costs uh, can, can be associated with one of those three items and they give back pricing and you, you essentially, uh, whether you're, you're really sophisticated and have rating tools and and RFP tools, or whether you're modeling it in a spreadsheet, as long as you know what you're doing, you basically reprice that year's worth of freight with the new proposed rates. Um, and that's that's all there is to it. And then you want to drill into transit times and service level. And there's obviously a lot more uh, to successfully complete an RFP event. It's more than just that rate. Um honestly, I think too much focus is, is sometimes put into that upfront LTL rate. Uh, there's, there's carriers of all service levels. They're, they're very different when it comes to claims and claims handling, um, you know, reliable, consistent transit, not having lates. And then of course, it, it really depends what industry you're in as well. So, you know, at freight plus we do a lot with uh, food and beverage shippers, uh, whether that's dry or refrigerated. And so, you really have to have the carrier service capabilities uh, nailed down there, because if not, you're dealing with, you know, uh finding and and late shipments in in the grocery DC world is a whole different animal.
0: Curtis, let's say I've, I'm already doing some LTL, and you mentioned Freight Plus, so it jogged my memory of doing some RFPs when I was with Freight Plus. How often should be audited? Auto- you, you do, do RFPs? I, I had to do the marketing side of them, yeah. So I got a great look at it. I had 14 years experience in this before I was in at Freight Plus. You know that. Class. I know. So don't try and big time me. Don't try and big time me over here. Uh, but how when we're talking about classifications, how often should you be auditing classifications? How often can those be wrong, and how much can they cost you?
3: When it comes to invoice audit on LTL, the 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 name of the game is speed. The sooner you can audit and get ahead of any discrepancy, whether it is freight class, whether it's you know, a reway mistake on either the shipper or the carrier side, anything that can potentially change uh, the the outcome and and basically the dollar amount on that invoice, you want to get on that immediately because the longer you let it sit there and if you just refuse to pay it or, or you didn't catch it, it's just going to be harder and harder to resolve, um, which makes sense. You know, the, these carriers are so focused on live freight, Um, And then you get into some of these bigger companies, they're public companies, they're recognizing revenue, they're, they're heavily regulated. So it gets harder and harder for them to go back months ago and open a can of worms and change an invoice. So um, speed is the name of the game. I mean, check every single invoice. That's, that's what we do for our clients. That's what I would suggest anybody doing, uh, whether they're using a 3PL or not. Um, You You're going to basically you're going to learn what you need to know about refining your LTL program from the invoice. That's the gospel truth. And whether it's negotiating a different accessorial structure, different F.A.K., uh, which is, you know, basically a rated versus actual class mechanism. um, The proof is in the pudding at the invoice side and you may catch some some. Overcharges, you you also may, you know, catch something that you need to do better on the shipper side. So really pay attention to that invoice side and just get, get things moving. Even if you are gonna short pay or dispute something, um, work that out with your carrier, but just jump on it quickly. Don't let it sit there and, and
0: fester. Now accessorials, you, you mentioned them, they can add quite a quite a bit to my to my invoice, right? How are those parsed out? What do you have to look out for? You can get charged for all sorts of things like, like indoor deliveries, all that lift gates. There's all sorts of stuff in LTL that you can see a, a new line item added in. What do you got to be mindful of? So
3: again, it's really you got to know your your freight, your you know, requirements on your account. If I'm a shipper and I'm in the e-com world and I'm doing a lot of online ordering, direct-to-consumer home deliveries, then I'm gonna really focus on you know, appointment charges and residentials and limited access and that sort of thing. Uh, shippers in the industrial world that have more dock-to-dock uh, B2B type freight, you know, there's maybe less of a concern and, and the accessorial side won't just won't play as big of a, a part in percentage of accessorials uh, for their total LTO costs will be smaller. So uh, it really again, no know, know what you Know what you know about your specific freight, your account, um, and then it's okay to try to negotiate um, if if there's some, you know, say a single shipment fee. uh, That's really, that's in there for carriers as a flag. So they can say, you know, at any time I can pull data on any account and see when we went in and we only picked up one shipment. And so it's a lot of times these accessorials are really just data points the carriers to collect and and get a better cross-section of you know any given account especially the smaller to mid-sized ones where maybe they're not on everybody's radars as much as the larger ones but that being said uh every every component of the ltl program specifically on the pricing side from accessorials to line haul the fuel um late fees claims, all of that is negotiable. It's, they're all just buttons and levers. Um, and, and you got to make sure, you know, it's done fairly and, and the carrier's going to make money because sure. obviously you sure. want them there alive, making money and, and giving you good service, but yeah. you yeah. just want to make sure you don't overpay at the same time. It's just finding that balance.
0: So you mentioned claims, how do claims work?
3: <laughs> Claim, claims are awful. Um, Claims is the black box. It's it, it needs to be uh, you know disrupted. I guess you could say. But anytime there's any exception, um, there's typically a freight claim filed. Whether it's a uh, consignee refusing to receive the freight due to some cosmetic, you know, uh, forklift puncture, crumpled box, or or just flat out. You know, I've seen I've seen carriers try to deliver a drum or a Gaylord or something where it's just completely empty and it was punctured (laughs) and, and and leaked along the way. And A for effort, they're still trying to complete that delivery. But anytime there's an exception um, a good rule of thumb is don't have the carrier dispose of whatever it, you know, was messed up. Um, I think a lot of times they see that as well you know, we're being stuck with this. Now we have to pay to dispose. And a lot of times it, it if I'm the shipper, of the 3PL involved, you know, I'm like, yeah, well, you messed it up. So it kind of makes sense. But I think a good responsible shipper and a shipper of choice is, you know, we're sending all these in the LTL environment. There's a certain amount of accountability and onus on us to make sure it's packaged adequately. Uh, it's ready for, you know, the rough and tumble LTL world. And a lot of times, it is, but then still something goes wrong. Uh, take it back, have, have your accept it if they can, if they have the dock space. I know there's constraints a lot of the time, but take it back, assess, and then file your claim for whatever's damaged, you know, the product value, uh, goods value, the freight cost. I mean, you, you can file for all of that, um, but it, it's just good etiquette to take it off the carrier's hands. They'll quite often move it back to you for free, you don't have to pay for that return trip if it was damaged or, or refused. Um, so that's that's just a little. That's a key that not a lot of people uh, know, I, and they they just want to wipe their hands of it and say, "You messed it. You break it. You bought it." And you know, give me a hundred percent of what it's worth. It's it's a little more complicated than that.
0: Well. No. You know, to think we could get through all of LTL in 20 minutes was uh, foolish. But people who want to learn more about LTL, you're doing Understanding LTL. You even have a program for it. Tell people where they can go to learn more about this topic.
3: Yeah, no. Um, we we made a good, good dent in LTL. I, I, 20 <laughs> minutes flew by. But, uh, yeah, I have a course, um, kind of an LTL 101 covers a lot of this. Uh, You can find it at understandltl.com. I'm working on a second course now, specifically on the pricing costing side. I just actually partnered with the NMFTA um, and we're doing some LTL training and and work with them. So a lot of cool stuff there. If you're a shipper and you don't want to learn it all and you just want to turn it over to the pros, then go to freightplus.io. We're a managed transportation provider there and we can do it all for you.
0: My uh, alma mater. That's where I worked before I came here at Freightways. Curtis, thank you so much for your time today. You're the LTL. <laughs> go to the day. Take care, brother. <laughs> Thanks, Tuner. <Yeah. laughs> Screaming go. All right, everybody. Meanwhile, on fire. Take a look off in the distance. Not just 95, not just the forest in Canada. Even that guy's boat. Where is he taking it to? Does he even know it's on fire? Is he just in a race to drop it in the water? It's like when the guys hit the bridges, when they have, when they <laughs> <laughs> when they have their, their bucket open and they smash the entire thing. You're like, didn't this guy not look through his rear view even once? Who knows? Hey, let's talk to the CTO at Trucker Tools. What's up, sir?
1: Hey, donor. Thanks for having me. How Introdu- are you doing? Introduce yourself to our lovely audience. I'm the CTO at truckertools.com. Uh, a freight tech company It was uh, started in 2009 and, uh, I've been a founding member um, and we're in the uh, truck visibility, freight matching, book it now space. Now, when Um, you, we help. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask you have you, the the
0: bridge collapse that happened over the weekend, is that, uh, is anything tech can help out with already? Are trucker tools, (laughs) you're already hearing from customers about this?
1: Yeah, we are. (laughs) We are. Um, But, Well, you know, you know, they're they're definitely companies that are helping and we, um, especially, you know, with our visibility product, um, we can help uh, customers avoid that route and take a uh, a different route. Well, you know, are you still homebrewing
0: IPAs in your bathtub? I was reading your biography and I was I was kind of fascinated what you might have
1: brewed in your bathtub. Um, that was almost a decade ago, my friend. um uh, now I have um, couple of kids, you know, thirteen year old and a and a and eleven year old. So you know, I'm I'm hanging out with them instead of brewing beer. Yeah,
0: you learn quickly when you have
1: kids that like
0: it's or you get married that it's not just easy to sort of uh, commandeer a, a key um infrastructure within the house like a like a tub, especially with a baby. <laughs> yes. But you, in your younger days, right? You went to high school with Prasad at Trucker Tools, did you not?
1: Yes, I did. I, yes, I did. So um, we, we, you know, Prasad and I went to high school together, not here, but you know, back in India, right? Um, and um, I didn't know he was here. Uh, he didn't know I was here. But I kind of ran into him after many years uh, of all places at a gym. Uh, at a goals jam. So if you look at Prasad, you wouldn't think that would happen, but, you know, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, uh, this was back in 2009. Um, uh, I remember at that time, um, iPhone, uh, I remember distinctly in 2007, listening to Steve jobs. Um, and I got myself into like iPhone development. I self-taught and, um, I was playing around with some mobile applications myself and ran into Prasad, and he was talking about what he was dealing with uh, on the freight side and how, um, you know, in his words, you know, the, the the load boards at that time were operating like brick and mortar, right? And you you didn't know what the carrier did, so we we set out to you know figure figure that out using this new platform, the mobile applications. Interesting. You know,
0: Curtis, right before you came on, he said LTL claims are right for disruption. Did that make your ears perk up at all? How can you, how could tech fix that? Any
1: ideas? I don't know enough about LTL, unfortunately. So, you know, we, we are purely an, um, in truckload space. Um, but um, when you think about um, the um, enormous amount of data that we are all sitting on, and what generative AI can do about that um i'm I'm pretty sure there are some innovative solutions um, for all these problems that we are having around um, freight so I mean so the, the in, in a very similar fashion how you know I felt about you know iPhone in two thousand seven that's how I feel about generative AI right now really really
0: how do you feel about the apple vision could you see someone? logging into trucker tools with their goggles on and, like, and like booking loads with their finger? <laughs>
1: yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, the, you know, that's definitely a bit too high-tech, uh, even for my taste. But, you know, so... Um, but the ones that I'm thinking about um, are slightly different, you know. So, thinking about um, a sort of a um, AI assistant, like a co-pilot, right? You know, so someone who can make your jobs easier... Uh, better, generate more quality work. Um, we have tons of uh, employees and, you know, 3PL logistic companies um, that you, you know, it, 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 when we go to these uh, logistic companies, they're, you know, floors with hundreds of people, like, you know, 300 folks, right? Um, and, you know, there are so, some superstars. And imagine if everyone can work like that superstar. Everyone is a superstar and that's exactly what's possible with um with this ai stuff so I, that's what i'm i'm thinking about
0: so now let me think about that so would you take like your best employee with the, in the organization and like ai clone them like how do you make the best of of the ai now i'm curious
1: so uh, you see i mean so um i'm not so much th- you know uh, think that you know you replace and clone and you know make it, but you provide an assistant to everyone,
0: mm.
1: right? And you provide this so with this AI assistant, your new employee can operate like a like a veteran, like a fourteen year veteran. MIT um, studies showed that you know someone with who just joined the force um is working at that level, at that skill level, and at that knowledge. And that's what these um these tool sets can do. Um yeah, I mean, so it's not so much about replacing with an AI. It's more it's less about autopilot and more about copilot.
0: Interesting. Well, what is your philosophy on tech and freight? And has that changed since when you Started with Prasad when you were, you know, getting jacked at the gym back in the day, and
1: where we are now. Absolutely, I mean. So, I mean, uh, first of all, let me, you know, you know, I absolutely love Freight I mean, the, I mean, they, you know, the, um, the Tech world, you know, welcomed us, you know, trusted us, and supported us through and through. Right? Um, they treated us like family. Like, when you think about Tech, um, it's a very traditional um, industry, right? You wouldn't think about it as, I mean, there's less diversity and whatnot. But, you know, here we are, a couple of brown, brown guys with a funny accent, right? And, you know, we, it, it would, you one would think it would uh, be difficult for us to break through, but it wasn't um, because, um, you know, we, we, we did what we said we would do. Um, we did it with, with high quality and re- did it very fast. So the, the, the industry embraced us. And if you look at our CEO today, she's a woman and, you know, she's thriving. Right. So they, you know, shout out to Freitag. Tech. I mean, the, the, the family, you know, they treat us as family and we absolutely love it. Now to back to your question, though, you know, when you, when we started out, it was more about connectivity, right? Like, you know, so you didn't, um you know, going back to that example that I was kinda alluding to, like, you know, you didn't know whether the carrier what the carrier is doing, you know, what their preferences are, um, how did they interact, especially these owner operators, small carriers. And by bringing them onto a platform and allowing them to uh, interact digitally, provide their visibility, visibility into the shipments and everything, was more about connectivity at that point. Even the systems um, didn't speak very well with each other. Like the integrations were tough, right? If you wanted to get integrated into a TMS, um, good luck, right? At that point. Um, But then, uh now, on the other hand, um uh y- you know, because we went through that phase um and we got all these systems integrated. Now, if you're not integrated, you're left out. So now, you know, everyone wants to get integrated. So the connectivity was what we were trying to solve. Um, but today it's going to be more about productivity. Um What I mean by that is, you know, how do you do achieve higher quality faster um, and achieve more, right? So, you know, if you think about even our tech space and even if I think about my team, right, we have roadmaps um, that we would like to accomplish in the next six months that can be accomplished only in the next three years today. But that can change, And similarly, that can change for freight brokers. That can change for these high asset companies with the productivity and more. I mean, there are two ways to think about it, the automation, full automation and the co-piloting. Interesting.
0: Interesting. You got a favorite story from uh, your time so far at Trucker Tools working in freight tech?
1: I've got several. How much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) Let's start with your best one first. (laughs) um, Let's see um yeah so um i think this story basically um um you know tells you know how how we became who we are um this was back in 2013 right you know we just released our visibility product um and um the and you know prasad was at a cross on agency uh, trying to sell them on, uh, on our product. Right. Um, and we had the app working, we had APIs to integrate with the TMS. Um, however, we did not have a portal. We thought, you know, everyone's going to interact through the TMS and, um, and, and, uh, the cross sign agencies is like, you know, it's going to be challenging to integrate with Landstar, but we need a portal. So Prasad calls me back and says, Hey, we need a portal. And this, I believe was like in December 15,16 time frame. And um, uh, 10 days later, we had a portal. Um, it was a fully functional. We, you know you could create Trullo tracks and you could you know see the whole visibility and everything like that. And since then, the cross-on agency has become our champion, right? You know that's how we we established ourselves. like you know we were fast. Uh, nimble and trustworthy.
0: Wow, very cool. Well, hey, what's what's coming up ahead from Trucker Tools? What do people have to look forward to before I let you go?
1: Um, well, there, there are a lot of things. I mean, we are obviously very conscious about what's going on in the tech space, uh, in the freight space right now with all the double brokering and everything like that. We have a great tool sets coming out um, to address um, those things we have, you know, with our visibility product. There's, uh, there's a, a lot you can do to um uh to yeah, you know, uh take care of double brokering or avoid double double brokering. Um and we are also adding more tool sets to um recognize theft, um, cross border toolkit, and there's a lot of stuff coming on right now.
0: Very, very cool. Everyone check out Trucker Tools and thank you so much for your time today, sir.
1: Thank you, Duna. Thanks for having me.
0: Take it easy. All right, by the way. Before uh, before I bring Tanner up here, he should be up here in just just a second. I got a little cowbell to the TV team, asked for a a headline scroll at the bottom of the camera here, and they stood that up. It only took them a couple days. You guys are awesome. All they needed was a weekend. What did I just knock over? All right, who cares? Elsewhere.
2: This is the greatest sandwich I've ever had, and I'm not telling you where it's from i will it's an egg cheese and avocado bagel from bagel market on 168 william street in new york city you walked approximately 300 feet north and ate it at this table
0: this is the greatest sandwich i've ever had look at that csi investigator tanner so this guy close that down this guy this guy posts that tanner's up here you he can stop that video thank you Tanner to Hart, wit sonar co-host get the police advice hat on yeah, absolutely! Wow. So that guy, that video we we're just watching, so someone on TikTok, he was mocking everybody. He said you can't find this sandwich, and then some other TikToker, he looked at like one square inch of the restaurant, and he was like, "You're sitting here at this table. It's this exact sandwich, and you can order it right now online." Pretty impressive. I need that sandwich. You need that. You need that sandwich. I think so. What do you think about that bridge collapse over the weekend?
2: Yeah, uh, pretty devastating. I'm, I'm curious to know how in the world that petroleum truck exploded. Uh, that's that's the big question I do know
0: because it was right under that the upper section that collapsed right right under it and then it's like just melted the whole thing down
2: yeah which I'm the the heat I mean the heat from that is probably astronomical I saw one video of of a guy that was filming out of his window and it, it had already kind of collapsed halfway while people were still driving over it
0: people were confused yeah. like that one video I showed at the beginning of the show there's like this big and I couldn't play the music because uh, I'd get sued by ECDC but they're playing highway to hell in the car have you seen that video and there's the black smoke and they're driving people are like behind them are beeping. And they're like, are we supposed to still go? Yeah, this one right here. They're like, are we still supposed to go? There's a truck that like flies right past him, a semi-truck. Is this going to show This won't show up in sonar just yet in the impacts in Philly, right?
2: No, probably not. Not just yet. Uh, I mean, you might see some divergence around truckers not wanting to go into Philadelphia. Um, yeah. So you might see some inbound rejections to Philadelphia might increase. So y- you might actually end up seeing it in sonar.
0: Interesting. All right. Well, we'll be keeping an eye on this. Uh, there's already enough trouble in the overall great freight market in fact our own ceo and founder craig fuller he put out this morning june is normally one of the best months of the year in trucking and sets the tone for the rest of the year unfortunately it is not providing much of a relief for struggling carriers trucking spot rates net of fuel are now lower than 2019 look at this first chart right here let's talk about this tanner
2: yeah absolutely um so looking at the uh, the national index line haul only so you're taking fuel manipulation out of here um, it, it, what's crazy to see is we're about 35% below the the peak of the truckload economy, right? So in 2021, when everybody was having an awesome year, you can see that white line is now 35% below that top line. Uh, that's pretty wild. And like Craig said this morning, yes, June is historically a pretty good month seasonality wise heading into the summer to see a little bit of a boom. Uh, and we just have not seen that. I mean, even year to date, looking at the white line, we've even the freight economy has decreased. We, we thought at the beginning of the year, hey, there's no way that we could go lower than this, and, and we've continued to fall.
0: And, I mean, one of the issues there, too, is we make this comparison to 2019, but it's worth pointing out that cost per mile is up about $0.30. Cents. So you, you look at that and then not even talk about inflation and just the cost of, like, actually being a human being. i got to go to Publix after the show today. I'm not looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, no. Okay, so I'm not looking forward to my bill. <laughs> Everything's gotten more expensive. You know, you know, if trucking rates, what truckers are receiving in pay is going down. As long as their costs are falling, they're okay, right? Yeah. They're able to live. But the fact that their insurance has remained high and continues to climb, the only cost that has actually come down has been fuel.
0: Yeah, but for I mean, that's a good one though. I mean, fortunately, that, that was up to like what five fifty a mile, and now you're driving by places like. This morning in Chattanooga, place I drove by, it's tickling like two ninety nine. It's just about to fall into that territory, so that looks pretty good.
2: Yeah, fuel's doing pretty well. I think fuel's going to continue to fall. The basically the, the the pumps they still have about another forty cents in margin that they could actually pass on to the drivers. So I think we're going to see fuel at the pump for your small guys continue to fall, which is good news. But unfortunately, I think truck notes are still very high. Yeah, trailer leasing is still very high. Insurance maintenance. I mean, the cost of a tire has almost doubled. it's, it's getting really, really difficult and it's going to continue to stay difficult for those small guys.
0: And, you know, I don't know if it's going to get easier because if you look here, there's too much capacity. Take a look at our outbound tender volume index right here for the United States of America, our very next chart. Take a look at that, everybody. It's going to look great. Well, it's not going to look great, but it's going to look like something.
2: Yeah, it's going to look like something. It's it's remained flat. Uh, it's very, very low. So consumer demand has continued to decrease. We've seen a, a constant change away from products and into services. I think you're going to continue to see that. Both of those services and goods have continued to slow, mm-hmm. uh, but the service side is slowing a lot. I guess you could say, sl- slower than uh, than the goods economy. So uh, this outbound tender volume index isn't necessarily looking at the amount of loads or the amount of shipments that's in the market. It's actually looking at the request for truckloads, right? So how many requests are shippers sending out there in the marketplace? And and we've been pretty flat for the year and we're still down uh, almost, I mean, you're basically tiering right there around 2019, 2020 levels. Uh, it's, 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 it's been tough.
0: You know, what's interesting here is we're looking at this, but there's been a lot of finance guys recently who've been looking at the new truck orders, and they've been using that as an indication to tell other investors and advisors that the economy is recovering. Why is that foolish?
2: Yeah, very it's it's pretty foolish. Um thinking about from a finance standpoint, there's a lot of there's been a lot of backlog in the amount of orders that you're placing with the top 5 manufacturers, but if used trucks continue to get cheaper, mm. then those carriers are going to continue to look for the cheapest option because their rates are falling. So I think you're going to see what they're not looking at dinner is the cancellations. How many just because you order a truckload doesn't mean it's not a contract that you're signing. You could easily cancel it 3 months later. And I think you're trying to see you know, manufacturers, I think Volvo came out actually a month ago and said, hey, we're, you know, even though our quarter report was wasn't that strong, we've got a huge backload of truckload orders that we're going to kind of lean on. And I I think that's just not a great way to look at it.
0: You know, historically, we're looking at, are these the lowest tender rejects we've ever seen? Yes. Outbound tender reject index.
2: Absolutely. Um, You're below 3%. We've remained below 3%. I think you could even possibly see the rejection rate go lower from here. Great. Can we look at that chart, please, everybody?
0: The yep. outbound tender reject index chart?
2: Yeah, so the rejection rates have been, it's been tough, right? So you're looking at basically the opposite of rejection is acceptance. So we've been about 97% acceptance for quite a while. So if you're getting an opportunity to haul a contracted market load, you're, you're basically accepting it. The only reason that you wouldn't accept it uh, is maybe, maybe you don't have a truckload available. Maybe you're trying to push it out a few days. But every opportunity that a trucker is getting in the contracted market, they are absolutely taking it because if you don't do it, someone else will.
0: Well, let's look at van contract. Can you guys show that chart up here? Van contract. The truckload market, as you know, is 80% of truckload still moves via contract rates, right? But with contracts this high,
2: what does that say about the market? What does the spread say between the two? Yeah, the spread tells you where we are in the truckload market cycle. So the last three trucking market cycles have been about three years in length. And so how we kind of measure where we are in that trucking market cycle is that split between the contracted rates and where the current spot market rate is. Um, So looking at the split right now, uh, year to date, we've been around a 90 to 80 cent split uh, between the two markets. And that's been really an an all-time high spread when it comes to that, right? Because of how volatile the market has been over the last couple of years. Uh, But interesting enough, we are starting to decrease. And so when you start contracting and when the contracted and spot rates start to get closer together, that's your indication that you might be coming up to the end of the trucking market cycle. But that indication is usually not until we reach about the 20 to 25 cent spread range. And you said we're, we're at how much right now? We're at So we're at about 76 cents spread between the contract and line haul. So we, we have quite a bit of ways to go. I think we have a chart on that one, too,
0: guys. Can you show the van contract initial reporting of average base rate per mile, please? We can have a look at that.
2: Yeah, so looking at this chart when we get it up here. No. Um, the
0: that, That's the one you already showed. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. No, nope, that's not it. That's <sighs> the scariest chart in sonar. It's a van contract, and reporting on average, but never mind. Here, just just tell us about it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, but what we're looking at is a chart between the spread between what the contracted line haul is paying and what the spot market line haul is paying currently. Okay, the contracted rate is currently paying. Uh, $2.40 a mile line haul, so if you include about another 40 $0.50, cents, it's a right about $3 a mile after fuel, but the line haul base rates at $2.40, and then you've got your spot market line haul that's about a $1.64, so that spread is $0.74, cents, okay, so that's the spread that we're keeping our eye on. When we get down to about the 20 to $0.25 cent range is your indication as to the end of the truckload market cycle. Now, the next question that people ask is, how do we get there? Mm. How we get there is what Sonar has been saying, what we can see the data is. I think that the spot rate, the spot rate, we're getting close to a bottom. We're not at a bottom. I do think that we're going to continue to decrease a little bit because of that consumer demand headwinds. But basically the contracted rates is going to catch the spot rate. That's how we're going to get there.
0: What happens when those two catch you? That seems kind of like does that 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 seems like a mess? It could be a mess.
2: Yeah, it's a count and ma- it's a cat and mouse game. Um The contract rate is going to continue to fall. I could see contracted rate line haul getting below two dollars a mile. So you're yeah. talking about another forty cents a mile line haul uh, decline in here. But when we get there, that's when eventually carriers are going to say it's going to be the exact same thing that happened in 2020. Carriers are going to say, "Holy cow, contractor rates have gotten so low. Yeah, I could go make probably just as much money, if not a little bit extra." In the spot market. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to reject that contracted load. So the first indication that we're going to keep an eye on is it's it's what I've been saying for three and a half years: rejections are king. Rejections are going to be the first movement that we see that's going to kind of confirm that we're at the end of that market cycle.
0: So would you say that the new market cycle or a rising market cycle is when
2: spot jumps over contract? Is that how that works? Not necessarily jumps over it, but okay. starts to it starts to act indifferently than contracted rates right so so spot rates they definitely pull on contracted rates regardless if it's up or down your spot rate is your indication as to what's going to happen so if we see contract rates continue to fall and then all of a sudden we get a jump in spot rates that's going to be your indication as ah the market's flipping Interesting. Well,
0: you sent me one chart here, and you said it was the scariest chart you've seen in sonar. Can you guys show us that one, please? Is that one it? That's it. Okay. What is scary
2: about this? That is. Va- this is the scariest chart in sonar. What? So, first of all, what is the chart? Uh, so the chart. So that you've got two lines here. You've got a blue and a green line. The blue line is the GDP of the United States of America. Okay, okay. it's the real domestic gross product. The green line is the van contracted line haul, so something very similar to what we just looked at. But this gives us a large indication as to what's happening in the contracted market. And as you said, 80 plus percent of the freight that actually moves in the market is contracted. So that's our biggest indication as to kind of the, the health, right? The health check of what's happening in the trucking market. As we've said, it, it, it's, it's time and time again, the freight market leads the economy, the overall GDP economy by five plus months. Why this is so scary is you can see GDP has not yet decreased, but the contracted health of the transportation market has started to fall drastically. And so if this green line is indication as to what's about to happen in the economy, we could see a dramatic fall in the gross domestic product of our government.
0: What is that? So what does that freight line look like if we extrapolate that out like a year and that were to happen?
2: Uh, yeah, it's, it'd be devastating to the economy. Um, losing that much GDP, you're talking about a very, very deep recession, uh, possibly even worse than 2008. It's just instead of it happening in the housing market, you're talking about not being able to get product into the shelves. Um, if it continues, it, it could possibly be one of the worst recessions our country has seen in a while.
0: That is scary. That, do you think that's going to happen?
2: Um, I don't. I don't. I've seen the govern. I've seen a shift in the government and the way that they think and the way that they approach things. They are much more proactive. I yeah. think. I think we've we've finally learned our lessons. At least I hope so. So I think the government. Um, they've done. I would say a pretty decent job at trying to get inflation under control and have a soft landing. It's going to be very interesting to see. I think tomorrow is going to be a very, very big move for them in the direction for the, for our country for the back half of the year. Um, and that's going to kind of be a telling sign on, Hey, are we going to continue to fall from here or do we have a chance at, at this soft landing?
0: Well, I hope you're right. We're resilient spenders, you know, in this country. We are. I mean, there's some of the signs you look at in charts and everything. And, but you also, I mean, you go outside, it's not, it, it's, some aspects are dire, but it's not like ah, it's not like super dire, right? It doesn't feel like the end of the world just yet.
2: Not yet, but one of the things I, we've been talking about is I do think that student loan repayments is going to have a, yeah. a much bigger effect than people think. I actually saw an estimate from CNBC the other day that I think we've been saying that the average student loan payment's around three or $400. Yeah. From what I've seen from a recent new kind of updated study is that that number is much more closer to $600 average school payment loans. And... The big kicker here is that less than 1% of people have been taking advantage of, of paying down their principal over the last three years. So
0: I catch heat online whenever I bring this up, because they're like, what do you want to do? Cancel, st- like, student debt? I'm like, no, I want to cancel CDL school debt, okay? Can I have that on record? Just CDL school, not the regular schools. I'm just saying, though, and I think that's what we are saying. This is not, like, a political stance on, like, if you should have student loans or, sh- or the government should pay them. We're just saying it's the reality of the fact that in August, people have to pay four to six to eight hundred dollars more than they were paying. And we're talking about people 25 to 45, pretty big buying economy. People would be buying things like houses, large purchases for those houses cars stuff like that. So it's going to be a challenge. I mean that's that's like a car payment right there.
2: It is. I mean $600 is a lot of money. I'd I'd rather have $600 a month. What about you?
0: I'd rather have that minivan my wife's been asking for than $600 for $600 a month. I would too, but you're so talking Chrysler.
2: Yeah. $600 <laughs> a month. I mean no more graphics cards, no more brand new couch, no more trip, no. you know, weekend trip to Mexico. All that goes away.
0: And you know we're YOLOing like uh, meme stocks on Robinhood like like back in the day. Harder now. It is. We used to seem a lot smarter in that stock channel on, on there, like back in like 2020, 2021.
2: Well, I, I feel like you could just throw a dart at a board and you, 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 your, your stock was green.
0: I'd be asking morons like, hey, what should I drop 500 bucks on today? What should I drop 500 bucks on today? <laughs> like, you're right. <laughs> you're just making money. All right. Before, before I let you go, we got a couple stupid videos here. Check out this guy with the cone. All right. This is like the slickest move. You can't hear it. It's zoomed in a little bit. So watch this guy over here. He's over at the hockey game. They're interviewing all the fans. He grabs that guy's cone right out of the paper. He's not paying attention. And then he thinks to maybe put it back in the cone, but the guy had already moved his hand, so he just saunters (laughs) off. And this guy's like a car. I don't understand how how he didn't feel the difference in weight.
2: Yeah, I mean that that guy's a swiper. Uh, that, that's that's. Is that funny. a sign of the economy? Like dipping dots, right? Yeah, like,
0: dipping dots. For example, with inflation, those could cost you like eight fifty or more. Yeah, it's like man, that's that's eight dollars. <laughs> Just rob your fellow man. <laughs> you don't you don't have kids yet, right? You certainly don't have like a kid who's who's getting a learner's permit. You're way too young for that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't have any kids yet. Not, Not yet. yet.
0: No. Not yet. But when you do, have you envisioned what you'll be like as like a dad taking them out for their learner's permit?
2: I assume so. I think I think myself as, like, a pretty decent driver. I, yes. I follow the rules. I use my turn signal. I would think I would teach my kids that. But I feel like when, it, when I see kids driving on the road today, so I'm, how are they, even older people doing It's like, how are we handing out driver's license to these people? Well,
0: I don't know. Like, Trooper Ben right here, roll this tape. He's a police officer, and he's teaching his, uh, he's teaching his daughter how to drive before a permit. And he's got his own idea. And he's going to do it with a lot of different seatbelts. Oh, Now, what what impressed me most about this uh, particular vehicle is, like, how they staged it for this this shot. Like, how many connectors did he put in there? I didn't mute it because they're playing playing a a pretty good music track along with this one. That's a
2: six-way seatbelt.
0: Yeah, it's like a five, ten-point. They didn't even have this when I was taking my NASCAR. No. Although, it it might be more dangerous, like, if you get in the accident, because it would take a while for, like, the EMTs to
2: get you out. If It would, but I bet he's going to be, I bet he's safe.
0: I bet he's safe, right? It's disposable dances. never mind defensive driving. At this point, I'm pretty sure someone somewhere is teaching offensive driving class to a whole lot of people. Maybe it's Trooper Dan. That's why he's got that on. Donna says, I know, right? Uh, right turn on red is just a uh, light pump and the brake. I don't even know what she's talking about. Puderberg says, "I've always thought a 12-point harness was a great idea." Gorilla fan for life. Even when teaching your oldest how to drive, what about a helmet, shin guards, chest protector, and vest? Um, And customer, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. it. They said that was me yesterday, strapping up for my kid's first driving lesson. Fortunately, I still have a uh, still have a few years to go for that. Now, Tanner. You uh,
2: you go out to the bars a lot. You a big drinker? Uh, yeah, I, I like a good glass of bourbon.
0: I was, I was. you think we might have some of these over at uh, the future of supply chain? Take so a look at these robots right here. It costs twenty one dollars for a drink from this, this from this robot bartender right here. He better be making some pretty good drinks. I would think so. You think they have the tip screen that they flip towards your direction? Oh, absolutely. And 15, 20%. Now, i got to observe, this is pretty slow. This isn't like Tom Cruise and Cocktail dr- throwing bottles around or anything. It looks like a relatively slick, thankfully there's not a line.
2: No. You think the robot, like, intimidates people for the tip?
0: Uh, it could be. I mean, those things have really hard pinchers. All right, show the dunk right here. Are you a good basketball player? I'm sorry. I jumped over the dunk. We can look at the dunk now. Yeah, this guy right here. You a big basketball player? I love basketball. Here comes this guy. Uh-oh. For the jam, like,
2: uh, oh! Oh! Through the, oh, the fence. fence. Has
0: your body like my brother-in-law, for example, he has like, a, and my dog does too. They have a knack for running into like cabinet doors when they're open. Yeah, like he's shattered three cabinet doors. My brother-in-law, my dog has broken two. Do you have a similar issue?
2: I do. Uh, I have an Australian Shepherd that just oh. gets out of control, and he loves running over, like running too fast, and he'll smack into the wall, j- just like this guy. Mm. Brilliant effort, though. I mean, Dennis Rodman, looking out there.
0: You know, we were talking about robots earlier. Did you hear about Zoom? They were a pizza robot starter that raised almost $500 million, and they shut down. That's a lot of robots. A lot of robots. Are they selling uh-huh. them? Well, they're supposed to put the pizza in trucks. Well, take a look at here. Here's how an actual automated pizza line. This is over at, uh, I believe, a DiGiorno factory we're looking at. You guys got the DiGiorno factory? I can improv doing... That's not a DiGiorno factory. That's a fire. <laughs> they want me. To, they want us to improv it. I can't show you it if i got to improv it. Did you guys not get that one? Who's a DiGiorno. Well, Tanner, forget it. They don't have the pizza one. Zoom, for example, 500 million. They try to put robots in the back of a truck. Um, Seems like DiGiorno's already got the line. They just freeze them and send them to your freezer. They're making plenty of money. What's up with the, where can people find Witsonar? Where can they find your work?
2: Yeah, uh, so on With Sonar is every Wednesday at three PM right here on Freight Waves TV. It's a great show where we talk about what's happening in the market. We bring up a lot of sonar charts. We even bring a lot of customers on as guests. Oh, nice! Um, so great way to find us. You can also find me on Twitter. I chart, I tweet charts all day long. Keep up with the market. Uh, it's Tanner D Hart FW. Tanner D Hart Freight Waves. Uh, check me out on Twitter.
0: Yeah, prediction by the end of the summer. What will? Spot rate, B. Drive and spot rate.
2: I think spot rate, uh, I think you're going to be close to about 210 to 205 a mile line. Uh, and then line haul about probably 145, 150. You think rejections fall to 1%? Is that even possible? I don't think rejections fall to 1%. I do think we're going to, I'd say I could see 2 to 2.5% as the bottom for the rejections.
0: Where's our exit music? Come on, keyboard cat. You're supposed to start playing us out. We're a little short-handed today. Did
2: you hear that? We're a little short-staffed today. I do. Sounds like they're They hey, still managed to
0: stand up the headlines and everything.
2: Though. They did. They did.
0: Oh, there's a There, there they go. go. There's a, thank <laughs> you, guys. What happened? Did they hit the pause button right afterwards? Anyways, hey, great job. We'll do better on Wednesday. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Find me on LinkedIn. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Hey, take care. And Tanner, thank you for coming to hey, the show. thanks for having me. Yeah.